Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to the first Wisden Club Cricket Podcast in association with NatWest. This week's podcast is brought to you by NatWest, proud supporters of cricket for 39 years. NatWest Cricket Force transforms cricket grounds and helps clubs stay on top of their finances so they're always match fit. Whether it's tidying the pavilion, helping clubs make more of their money or touching up sight screens with a lick of paint. There's no job too big or too small for NatWest Cricket Force volunteers across England and Wales. Sign up your club for NatWest Cricket Force today and you could win some amazing kit for your club. I'm Yadrana and with me today is the editor-in-chief of the Wisden Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker. Are you excited, Phil? Am I ever, yes. Well, I think we should explain to our listeners why we're doing this podcast and what the podcast is going to be about because this is going to be different to our weekly one. So we'll be recording these on a fortnightly basis throughout the season in addition to our weekly show. Mm Mm-hmm. We've long had club cricket as an important part of our coverage, both in the magazine and online. Uh, Rich Evans has mastery led that on both fronts. So it only made sense for us to carry that into the podcast sphere. We want to get to the heart of the club cricket experience. So we want you, the listeners, to be involved as much as possible. If you've got funny, interesting, weird, horrific stories from your career playing club cricket, please do send them in to either me or Phil on Twitter or send us an email on clubcricket at wisdom.com. And as well as all the fun stuff, we're also going to get our teeth stuck into some of the meteor issues surrounding club cricket, what it's like to run a club, keep a financially healthy club going, um, and what it's like really playing the game. As well as watching a lot of cricket, in our spare time, Phil and I, we, we both play a lot of cricket. So Phil, you're, you're a regular for, for who? Well, I, I play back in, back in Essex. I play for Gideon Park and Romford. Um, a solidly uh, roughhouse working class cricket club that um, has gone through uh, spectacular ups and severe downs. Um, and it is an indelible part of my life, frankly. Um, you say that we play in our spare time. I don't see it like that. I see that I watch cricket and write about it in my spare time and I play cricket on a Saturday and that's my real time. Um, I'll drop anything for Gideon Park and Romford. Um it's it's in my blood, uh, for better or for worse. Um, I've seen some things that um, I wouldn't inflict on anybody, and I've also seen some some beautiful moments, some formative things that have, yeah, I hesitate to say, made me something of what I am. I've I've been there since I was thirteen years old. I'm older than that now. Uh, I've had the odd year off here and there, um, but I keep going back to it. There is a there's a magnetism to the place and yeah without wanting to sound too schmaltzy we've still got another 20 minutes to go yet 
it's it's a place that's very dear to my heart and indeed it's it's a world that is very dear to my heart i've worked in cricket professionally for quite a long time now uh there is no game without the club game there it's the pageantry that we see we're sitting here at the oval and they're getting ready for the start of the new season um yeah, they'll be cutting the pitches reasonably soon out there. That's the pageantry for me. That's that's the that's the parade. But it's everything that goes on below it. That's where cricket really lives and breathes for me, and that's why um, we have to protect, nourish, and nurture the club game um, as as deeply and dearly as possible. Because without it, we're nothing. And you bat three or four oh, yeah. for twos. Well, yeah, since you ask, I, I had a good year last year. I batted. I didn't ask about your year. I was just asked about what your, what your role in the side is. I, I, these days. But I think you're going to tell days, me anyway. <laughs> these days, yes. I bat three uh, and four if I have to. And I field at first slip, right? Um, i got good hands. There's Very no good. two ways about it. i got really, really good hands. So I field at slip. Um, I'm an elder statesman now. Uh, so I get to call the shots a little bit. Um, and... Yeah, I used to I used to run in and bowl, um, but that's a mugs game. That's what you do, isn't it? Yeah, it is what I do. Yeah, as I yeah. say, it's a mugs game. <laughs> uh, so yeah, now now I just now I just go out there and have a hit and just try and bat my age. That's what I tell myself now. What, my, what does that mean? What it means is don't try and bat like you're 17. You know that you've got your whole life ahead of you that you can play all the shots and a few that haven't even been invented and just bat your age. Respect the fact that the game. Um, turns you inside out on a weekly basis and I'm pushing a, a, a decent age now we don't need to go into details but just bat bat in such a way as befits the age that I am right? so I, I could never be a batsman I can never be a batsman so I, I, base, I bowl first change 60 mile per hour medium paces and bat nine on a good day if selected Yeah. and if I'm giving up an entire Saturday you know, however badly it goes, I'll, I'll bowl at least five overs if it goes really, really badly, and I should bowl at least ten. Mm-hmm. Bat- batsman, I've never understood it. You give up a whole day, you could win the toss, bat first, nick off first ball, then you're moping about for the rest of the day. I played a game three or four years ago when I opened the batting for Gideon Park twos, and we were playing at the county ground in Chelmsford because we were playing against Colchester, and the Essex first team were actually playing at Colchester in their festival. So we ended up playing at the county ground, and... Uh, we actually started three minutes early. We started at 12.57 and I was out fourth ball of the game <laughs> back in the dressing room before the game should officially started. It was 12.59, looked at my looked at my watch. Already out before the game had even begun. Um, you're right, but the flip side is that if you get in and you bat for a couple of hours, then it's it's the purest and most wonderful joy known known to man. But you still get that joy occasionally as a bowler, like, like a, a gritty 12 supporting somebody get a few runs or you you get you, you take your side home at the back end of the finish yeah set I, up I, by a number three or four batsman who's gone on big yeah i can i can see what you're saying but that's that requires a degree of of selflessness and commitment to the to the the broader cause mm. I, it was never really within my remit um yeah we'll put, as, as a kind of horrible immediately unpleasant dasher we'll, we'll, we'll get on to um i'm sure at some point over the summer the the merits of declaration cricket versus uh, limited overs games but my favourite oh, thing we can do a few yeah. shows on that <laughs> uh, my my favourite thing in club cricket is playing declaration games and just um, blocking pre- it preventing the other side from winning yeah and I can imagine that would appeal to your, yeah. your nature as well but, you know re- really feel like I'm Graham, Graham Onions out in South Africa yeah n- n- nothing 
allows for the the deep seated insecurities that exist in most English people, uh, like standing there at half six pushing seven and you're already 12 overs into the last 20 and they're only four down but the pitch is flat and that you know they're not going to go for it and you'll toss it up and you'll bring on you know the the moon ball bowlers and all of that and you know they're not going for it and you're standing there and you've got a few problems at home and you're you're just trying to escape from the realities of the modern world and there you are watching your life just drift in slow motion past you I've been there yeah. A few times I've been there. But, but those are the moments when you question... So I'm stealing someone else's line, so I'm not going to claim it's myself. Okay. Where you've got a question, do you actually like playing cricket or is this just a habit that you've done all your life and you're scared of change? Personally, it is so tied in, and this is a terrible reflection on me. This is going to become a problem as we go through this summer, I think. It's going to be exercises in self-pity. It's going to be a like psychiatrist couch show on Radio 4, this, I think. For me, it's so tied into how I'm going. If, if, I'm, if I feel in good nick, and if I've got a few runs the week before, then I think about little else during the course of the week. If I'm in a bad trot, and the year before last, I had a bad year. I had a really bad year. It becomes a hellish experience. And you, 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 you find yourself concocting all kinds of elaborate excuses to, to not mm. show up or to, to cry off. Uh, and then you come back to that sort of sense of duty and so on. So you do end up playing more often than not. But it's, it's, it's agonizing. It's horrific. And, and, and I, I suffer from that quite badly. I would say. I either love it or I hate it, and it depends entirely on how I'm getting on. I think that sums up most people's relationship with it. Um, I hope so. Yeah, well, let's crack. As I, as I said, we're going we're gonna to feature li- stories from the listeners, and we've got our first one here from Neil Dyer, who's been in touch, and he sent this humdinger of a story about one of the great umpiring injustices. The most controversial incident that I remember on a cricket field, I don't see as controversial at all. Uh, we were playing, we'd been promoted a league, the opposition had been demoted a league, so uh, they were a lot more serious than we are, and their star batsman came to the wicket with them in a little bother, and even more so we thought when he clattered a half volley straight to cover, who held on to an extremely good catch, and as we all went over to congratulate him, the batsman stood still and said, that hit my pad. We were absolutely amazed as their umpire, this was the the highest level in the league to have uh, non-neutral umpires. Uh, a youngish lad, he said, uh, not out. And we all had to move on with the game and watch as this batsman scored 130, 140 not out. And when we looked in the scorebook later on that day, imagine our surprise to discover that the umpire was in fact the batsman's son. They had previous for this earlier in the season against a couple of other teams which left rather a nasty taste, but um, such are the vagaries of club cricket. So have you got... That was a cracker. Yeah, yeah that was a cracker. Talk, talk about a conflict of interest. Um, I, think, I think it's always been... I, I don't know if you've ever had to do this much, but I find it very difficult to be totally impartial when you're umpiring people you know. So I, the league I play in is genuinely self-umpired. Yeah. Our club, we're quite lucky that we normally have an umpire that does both ends, but in some games, if he can't come up self-umpiring... Sure. Um, and, you know, you're, you're faced with a moral dilemma every time the bowlers appeal. They appeal and you go, mm, that does look pretty out. And you go, also, mm, but Freddie has had a really bad week at work. And you go, 
mm, well mm-hmm. then you then, then you say well I hit him outside the line you give him not out and you feel bad because you're like that probably was out i'm I, also linked to this i'm also of the opinion that there are way too few lbws given in club cricket oh, as they not. should well no and obviously we're on different <laughs> sides of the argument here but as somebody who bowls 60 miles per hour at the height of five foot nine with no real jump yeah so i looked at this my play play cricket stats before the year 2017, I was only ever got to <laughs> one league LBW, which is mental. One league LBW. At my height, there is no way the ball is ever going above stump height. Yet, quite regularly, you get balls that hit the batsman on the pad and the umpire go, oh, that's going over. It's like, no way is it going over. I, and the ball never goes above the stumps. Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. When you were um, It's quite a big confession that you've already made that essentially you are... Um, quite happy to bend your decision depending on who's batting um, in your own in your own experiences when you are umpiring your own team that's quite a big confession right there isn't it that, no, that you've it's made like, you know if, if, if you're the umpire you, you hesitate to if, make the right decision because you're looking at who's who you're making that decision against don't get me wrong there are plenty of teammates who if it hits them on the pad no matter where it is the thing is going <laughs> up straight away <laughs> all right so, so, so it goes both ways it goes out. both ways all no right, I, okay. I do I do try to be fair um I've had I had a really bad experience actually um, as an umpire. So I was on a university cricket tour to Dublin. Lovely. Not known for its cricket, Dublin, and we were playing on a park ground in the middle of nowhere. And it was a really all these games were supposed to be friendlies, and we were very very lucky on that tour to be playing against some very hospitable guests who always gave us amazing food. They always gave us a little memento to take home. And this team had been really nice to us so far, but the game was really close, mm-hmm. really, really close. And it was a run chase. And their captain and best bowler was a, was a spitter who, I'm very, very happy saying this, he threw the ball, right. basically, threw Oof. the ball. And I was getting, um, I, was, I was basically like, I've got to stop this. This is, this is really bad. This is like, this isn't, this is, this isn't cricket. So um, I didn't know ball him, but I said, I, I think your arm needs to be a bit straighter on delivery. I'm, I, I know this is a friendly game. I'm not going to call you. And he said, "Okay, sure." But he was ragging it, so I thought, you know, if you're if you're if you're chuck, if you're chucking it and it's not really doing anything differently, I'm fine with that. But he was getting an obvious advantage from throwing the ball. Um, a couple of wickets fall, and I have to pad up because I'm in soon. And the guy who replaces me as our umpire, first ball, there's no balls him. And the match descends into chaos because you've got captain of a team that's been really good to us <laughs> basically banned from bowling because we are... Uh, that is a delicate one. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's not. Just let the bloke play. I mean, it's a, it's a uni you knockabout. It. You should have seen it. But I have seen many in, this, in, in that case. And yeah. It's difficult because what do you say? You know... Invariably, these folks, they've paid 10, 15 quid to play on a Saturday afternoon, given yeah. up their days for it. They that love the game. That was even worse. That was like a Thursday evening. Yeah, yeah. Generally, you turn a blind eye and obviously talk in disdainful terms from the pavilion when you're looking on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's another. it's going to be full of, of moral ambiguities, I think, yeah. these shows. Uh, um, have, you, have you got any, any examples from your cricketing career of umpiring shockers? Umpiring shockers? yeah. God, yeah, loads. Um, <laughs> so similar, similar at my level. I play twos cricket um, in the Essex League, and the, the days of paid for umpires um, are thin on the ground now. You know, um, when I first began playing, that you used to have. Um, we had an old copper called Tony Drain who would always do the twos. Job done, you know, home and away. Everyone's happy. You'd even have paid for umpires in the threes. You don't get that anymore. So invariably... <laughs> don't really get threes quite often. No, no, sure. Invariably, um, 
it's a case that you know you you do your ten over stint, and it's a horrifying experience. I think for for everybody concerned, it, it, I shirk it. I I always volunteer to score in the knowledge that if I'm scoring, they're not going to ask me to umpire. Yeah, well, you, you have the ability, you have the, the position of not being able to bat to save your life as well. <laughs> so, so you have the option. Hang on, I'm a nine, not eleven. You have the option, whereas I'm I'm strapping on the mums and dads straight away. Uh, yeah, so everybody goes through it. You do your ten over stint. You, you're in the margins of the game, kicking kicking a ball around the boundary, you know, and then suddenly you're called. You're called to be this sort of impromptu moral arbiter of all you survey. It's not really fair when you think about it. Uh, and it's a terrifying responsibility um, that you're suddenly thrust on, thrust into. And uh, I mean, I've got loads of belters in this this one, but last year, last summer, we were playing, I'm not going to say the name of the club, but it was a local club to us and they were first in the league and we were second. And... Uh, our captain, I was already out, right? So I was doing the last 10 overs of the game and we were chasing their target at our place as well. And it was a lovely evening and a lot of the old boys were there. You know, Les was there and Lance was there. And, and the listeners old... won't know who Les and Lance no, are. they but... do. <laughs> Everyone's got Les and a Lance at their place. Anyway, Les had been been holding back, but some of the other boys were mildly libated by this point and it was kind of pushing. It was a big game and there was a good few dozen old boys watching the game there and and I was umpiring as and our captain was batting um and uh he hit one up to long on right they got two men back and he hit it pretty well but I was umpiring and I knew he's not hit that great shortish boundary and it was touch and go right so their fielder at long on takes the catch right right in front of a dozen or so fellas attached to our club, who I know from years back and so on. Now, one of them, who may or may not be called Les, is honest as the day is long, okay? He's a solid human being. He, he claimed the catch, sheepishly, but he claimed the catch, tossed it up, fielders start converging on him. From my, from my point of view, and it's a short boundary, from my point of view, I'm thinking he stood on the line there. My instinct... So what is the boundary? Is it a rope? Is it painted? It's not painted? a rope, but it's painted. Well, it's that's not part, a rope. That's really difficult to tell. It's from very me. difficult yeah. to tell. <laughs> 50 yards away I am, uh, you know, and my, my instinct is that he's stood on the rope. And his reaction, because he looked down at his feet and then he rather sheepishly threw the ball up in the air, and his reaction to me suggested that he'd stood on the rope. So, and I'm not proud of this, and after the event, I reflected and realized that I'd done wrong. Okay? So there's the mere culpa. But I wandered over to that, that group of group of blokes and I pulled Les aside, who may or may not be called Les. Put a lot of pressure on Les. But Les is an institution of, of Essex cricket, right? You know, former coach, first team player, et cetera, et cetera. Known and respected within the county. Pulled him aside. And obviously all the blokes, they were aside. Ah, oh, he's still on the line, he's still on the line. And I pulled Les over and I said, look, Les, just be honest with me. Just be straight. You were standing right there as he stepped on the line. And he said, Phil, it's six. He stepped on the line straight up. So I signaled six. Their fielder was not too pleased. Their captain was apoplectic <laughs> and went for me. And he's a bruiser. And he went for me. Uh, torrents of abuse um, that I've ruined the game. What about the spirit of cricket? 
there might have been. What was their argument that, that you were basically? Their accusing... argument was you have to respect the fielder, and I think I think that argument is probably right. That you do, but, have the, to re- but the fielder doesn't know where his foot is. Sure, sure, but this is club cricket, which relies on a degree of trust, however flimsy, between the two teams. If those bl- blokes attached to Gillia Park were not there on the boundary, then I'd have had to have given a six because I couldn't tell, and you have to trust what the bloke is saying, what the fielder has, has said, however mistaken he or she may be. But but those but those people on the rope are people attached with club cricket, and they are not trusting what they're saying. The people with the best views have said it's six. They are biased. Of in course. the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, that's what I convinced myself. This was the right and and appropriate course of action. Signaled six. It all kicked off. We won the game with three balls to spare. We got promoted, and they didn't. <laughs> not, not, not that, not <laughs> that one laugh was laugh. quite telling. Not that one should laugh on that. Um, doesn't sound like you're. That the, the, re- the return fixture wasn't wasn't too calm. Yeah, uh, there was a little bit of needle in the return fixture, but anyway. Um, I, I was comfortable enough with my decision. And then I removed myself from the story and asked a few cricketers. Right? I remember I asked a couple of, couple of players who play at Surrey and said, give, I'm going to give you this, this scenario. What do you think? And everyone I spoke to, both professional and amateur, all said, no, you've got to go with the fielder, mate. You've got to go I, with the I fielder. genuinely wouldn't. I genuinely wouldn't. In that situation, also, if it's that crucial, you need to get the decision right. This is going to be an interesting few weeks, I think. <laughs> I think if you've got you've got to get the decision right, and if you trust this Les character, this Les fellow, may or may not uh, be called Les, may, may or may not be called Les, um, then you've got to you've got to go with it. Yeah, well, I did, um, and you know, be damned, uh, we went up, uh, and so and so that's how it is. Um, two years ago, uh, playing another side, their their umpire. Um, no, sorry, it was actually a, it was a, it was an independent umpire. Um, one of the few weeks when we, we found 40 quid in the kitty and, and paid someone. And our opening bat, um, who may or may not be called Jimmy, uh, he, again, straight up honest bloke, council worker in Havering, salt of the earth, one of your own, Jimmy, uh, walks. I tell you that now, I played with him on and off for 25 years, he walks. Played outside off stump left-hander, they all go up, he stands there, umpire doesn't give it. Two, two or three balls later, same thing happens, Jimmy plays forward, Nicks it, uh, caught behind, walks off. Their bowler goes absolutely berserk at the umpire because he hadn't given the previous one, which Jimmy insisted he hadn't hit. And we were on the boundary walking around, me and the captain, and we hadn't heard anything. He turns around and goes berserk at the umpire itself. And in... in After after getting him out. After getting Jimmy out. So Jimmy's walking off. May may not be called Jimmy. He's walking off. Our non-striking batsman, who I forget who it was actually, but he's stepping in, trying to break, the, calm this bowler down. Jimmy then turns, comes back to the to the the middle because it's all going off. Me and the captain. That, like, that's not a good enough reason to turn back. And no, get but, but he, it was genuinely quite quite nasty, you know. Okay. And, and me and and then the the umpire, who was nobody's nobody's fault. He's he's kind of squares up to the bowler. <laughs> I'm not sure if this makes the cut. All of it. <laughs> me and the captain who. We're already out, walking around the boundary. We had to run onto the pitch as well to try and break this thing up. I'm again questioning between the, the, opening bowler and umpire because umpire was not taking a backward step either. I'm, I'm again questioning the use of had to there. I don't think Jimmy had to turn back. I don't think you and the captain had to run onto the field. Do you know what? On reflection, maybe not. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there are loads of these stories. I, I had one that actually got onto the BBC live text during a rain delay a few years ago. 
Um, I'm Your still, big moment in the sun. I'm, yeah, it really was. Um, I'm still seething about this six years later. Uh, I was playing a game once that was being played right next to a church. Right. Very nice setting. In that church, the bell ringers inconveniently were going through their hour-long weekly practice session. The campanologists. Um, is, that, is that what they're called? Didn't know there was a word for that. Outside off stump to their set batsman. Um, and he quite clearly nicked it. The ball deviated about foot. It was one of those where, as a, as a bowler and fielding team, you celebrate and turn around to the umpire as a courtesy as much yeah. as anything else. You're like, yeah. okay, fair enough. That you know, It wasn't a, it wasn't a cover. Well, sure. um, and the umpire... Which is one of their players, crucially self-umpired game. He go, he goes not out, um, and we were like, seriously, what? Like, we didn't want to make too much of a thing of it, but that mm. was so clearly out. And he goes, I oh, didn't hear anything, mate. The bells. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> so who in the bells told? Yeah. So blame, blame the bells. That's <laughs> blame the beauty. The bells. But also, there it's like he's kind of admitting there probably was a sound, but oh, I didn't hear it. Yeah. And also was ignoring the fact that the ball had moved loads. Yeah. As well. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> I've got plenty of others, but, but <laughs> we, we can end up down a rabbit hole, I think, on this one. Eccentric umpiring. There's a there's a chap quite close to the to the the prestigious Wisdom brand that you and I are both gainfully employed um, by, and uh, he once insisted on on umpiring a game that we were playing. Um, this was before your time, yes. Um, despite his love of cricket, deep love of cricket, didn't know where to stand when he was the square leg umpire and so stood at sort of straight mid wicket what yeah. <laughs> has he not like watched uh, a game of cricket live before he's, he's, he's an oval institution or just not very observant character not, not especially observant yeah. but but did it with such just presume panache, the TV umpire was going to do it <laughs> such a lan that he just strode out to deep to straight mid wicket and just stood there he said uh, squire a um, little bit little bit straighter a little bit straighter maybe perfect there you go just just stand there stand there yeah oblivious to it yeah mm. yeah yeah. I, I have so much respect for umpires giving up I know they get paid for it but giving up entire Saturdays to watch what is objectively very mediocre cricket steady yeah, well, yeah, media cricket. Yeah, um, and, and, and you have to be a bit of a character, I think, to do it. Indeed, and and all part of the the fabric of the thing as well. You know, and, and our club has its own scorer as well, and and they are sort of absorbed into the whole the whole show. I just want to go back to something you asked about LBWs, right? You are speaking yeah. nonsense. When I when I was, well, I'm not, but you are. Yeah. Uh, when I was. In, growing up in the in the nineties, um, I wasn't out LBW for about five years. Not winding you up, you went about five seasons without receiving one LBW against me, right? I had a few years off cricket for one reason or another and then went back to it and was playing actually first team cricket at a level that was probably beyond me, to be honest, uh, at the time. Um, but the first three uh, innings that I played that year, I was out LBW three times. Um, the first one was a joke, frankly. It was big, booming in-swinger. The first two balls had been wides down the leg side and I was giving out LB, trying to flip one through mid-wicket, blatantly going down. But this, but the, the, the key difference between the two eras is Hawkeye. And what Hawkeye has shown, amateur umpires, is that what used to be deemed to be no chance of hitting the stumps is invariably showing to be now hitting the stumps. And there has been a change in attitude towards LBWs that is not just... Uh, not just with playing out the professional game, but it's filtered down. But yes, quite... it's filtered down. And I tell you what, this is one for you for your, one of your Saturday nights. Go and have a look at the percentage in county championship cricket of LBWs that were given in 1990 compared to 2010. And you will find, I guarantee it, that the percentage of LBWs 
is hugely increased. No, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that is so the case. So why wouldn't but it there, therefore but apply in, in club Because cricket? there is a significant lag time from that being the case in club cricket because of the age of most of the umpires. So a lot of the umpires, so our, our umpire, my club's second level oh, umpire, is quite right. an old man. He's a wonderful umpire, uh, but he's, he's rather old. He's a proper old school. If, uh, and our first level umpire, actually, as well. If he's got he, striders. He's got striders going <laughs> over. No matter who's bowling, it could be a 30 mile per hour off spinner who's five foot four. He's always he's got a strider and it's fine. Uh, I forgot to say, actually, so my one league LBW pre 2017 I know for a fact wasn't out <laughs> so it was I remember very clearly because it was a fifth wicket in a five wicket hall yeah um, oh, hello. I was bowling around uh, I just cleaned up the tail um, sure. I was bowling around the wicket to a left-handed batsman struck him on leg stump I don't really know why I appealed no one else joined me mm-hmm. fingers raised and that was mm-hmm. my one pre-2017 league LBW I, I do love the fact that you can see your own stats mm. in cricket I think it makes it makes it all the more fun um we should look at each other's stats before next week and yeah, maybe. Examine, examine examine our respective careers. At the start of the show, I mentioned the 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 Nat West Cricket Force weekend. Mm. Um so last week I had the pleasure of speaking to Jimmy Lomas, the Toft Cricket Club first eleven captain, who explained how his club have benefited from the weekend in the years gone by. They're a really, really impressive club who've got plans to to build a new pavilion for their hundredth anniversary in twenty twenty eight. And the plans for that are going very well. They had Ian Botham speak at the club last year. They plan to have Graham Swan speak at the club this year. But one of the reasons why the club is so successful is that they have a lot of volunteers who are willing to dedicate a huge amount of time to a club, which is a problem for a lot of clubs, but they don't really have that problem. Mm-hmm. And where Nat West Cricket Force comes into it is that it's a weekend that shows what's needed around the club and you get volunteers in who see the work that needs to be done and they see everyone working and they, they may feel inspired to give more time. So they said, so Jimmy told me that they're not worried about the number of volunteers at all they're going to get. They, they, they think they're going to get more than 100, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and so, yeah, as, as I said at the start of the show, if you haven't already, sign your club up. Um, it's a you know, it's a massive part of Toft and how they interact with their community. So sign sign yourself up. Um, it's a brilliant recruiting tool as well. I mean, mm. Cricket Force has been running now for, for many, many years. I've been involved in many over the time and and not only is it a really good kind of joined up weekend where you see old old boys and girls who have been maybe club legends and moved into the professional game they go back to clubs that they were they've been affiliated to when they were younger uh and you get old institutions as well who, who re-emerge back into the club set up you know these these weekends tend to happen in kind of late march t- sort of time when cricket's just becoming a thing again for people, but it's also a brilliant recruiting tool as well. So if you can open your open your, your gates to this and if you can get the message out around your local community, then it's a perfect opportunity to get to get new new followers, new 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 fans through through the doors, new families and so on. And I know that my my club uses their Cricket Force weekend for that kind of kind of reason and and you know long may it continue really. Um, Absolutely. whether that sounds too on message or not, this is the absolute truth. Uh, it's right at the heart of what the, what the game stands for. Absolutely. Just before we end the show, a really exciting announcement. Um, Wisden are now on TikTok. Um, so if you're on TikTok, follow us. We're at Wisden Cricket. We have a lot of fun with it in the office. Phil's one day he's a big fan, one day he's not. Still not 100 cents old on, I, I do on TikTok. Have a, I do have a job to do. <laughs> yes. It's good, fun. it's good fun though. So if you're on I, TikTok, give us a follow. And actually... Um, 
if you're if you want to take TikToks of you guys at your club playing, send them in to us as well, and we'll have a watch and we can share them on Twitter or something like that. Um, That's the way to do it. As, as many things coming in from the listeners as possible. Exactly, exactly. and get get your stories in. That's that's the key thing to club club cricket at wizen dot com, and then we'll feature feature on the show very much uh, like how Neil had his story on this week's show. Anyway, and any any footage as well, any any good comic footage as yeah. well, any spectacularly bad shots, any spectacularly good shots, any any silly post match interviews in the dressing room, whatever you fancy doing, um, get it all into us, and we'll turn it into something this summer. Absolutely. Anyway, this has been the first Wisdom Club Cricket Podcast in association with Nat West. As we've mentioned, send us your stories, and we'll we'll include them in an upcoming show. As ever, if you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends, and if you're feeling extra kind, leave us a five-star review of the podcast app. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.